of the move from web two to web three was that I moved for this principle of creators having more independent control and economic upside. And I realized that because we're decentralized, like by nature, by principle, by ethos in the web three space, the creator's customer data, their collector data is fragmented across blockchains and platforms. And so in many ways, the creators in web three have less control, right? If you're, if you're a creator in web two, you can go to YouTube analytics or you can go to analytics of Meta or Twitter. You know who your audience is. You can make decisions about your content. You can make decisions about how to develop offshoots of your brand. In Web3, as we talked to creators, they were telling us things like, I spent all day yesterday in Etherscan copying and pasting wallet addresses into an Excel spreadsheet. Hello and welcome to the People of Web3 podcast where we talk to creators, builders, and thought leaders in the Web3 space. We explore and unpack ideas, values, and strategies that hopefully can help all of us navigate this Web3 movement with a bit more purpose and clarity. If this sounds interesting to you, then feel free to subscribe. But other than that, please enjoy the episode. Welcome back to our People of Web3 podcast. I'm your co-host, Frank, and with me is... My other co-host, Blaine, how are you doing? Good, good. G'day, GM. <laughs> GM, GM. <laughs> and today we have a co-founder of Woven, um, Jamie, joining us. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing excellent, excellent. I It is a GM, but it's also in the evening for me. I'm based in LA, so I'm in a little bit of a different time zone. Nice. Yeah. There's always a GM somewhere. That's true. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about um, Woven, your platform. Uh, I'll let you do the intro. And today's episode is going to be uh, for the artists and art collectors. Creator economy, I think that's very exciting. So, uh, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and then what you're doing? Yeah, so actually, and I think probably the best way for me to do that is I'll, I'll give a little bit of personal history because I think it kind of... Uh, frames, you know, how I got to where I am, and then also why, you know, I'm building Woven. So, you know, I was the 47th employee of YouTube in 2006. I stayed at YouTube for 16 years. Um, the last six or seven years, I oversaw the creator business at YouTube. And so, you know, have a, I, I paid the first creators ever uh, at YouTube. And so, you know, which wow. is arguably, you know, day one of the creator economy. Um, and so, you know, the creator economy is something that is like very important to me. I'm super passionate about helping creators realize their creative and business ambitions and, you know, had an incredible run at YouTube. Um, but, you know, I think like many of us, you know, during the pandemic, um, started to kind of fall in love with kind of the ideas of Web3, the principles of Web3, particularly as it related to creators. So giving creators more independence, more control, more economic upside. And then, of course, personally, um, you know, fell in love with, you know, generative art. You know, I think I had always had an attraction to the idea of digital art, but it wasn't until I started to kind of understand kind of these principles of like, provenance on the blockchain and, you know, kind of art being created with code that it really kind of, you know, captured me. And so from, from YouTube, you know, I decided to kind of move into Web3 to kind of get immersed into this space. 
Um, I joined a project called Bright Moments, which many people I'm sure have heard of, kind of a traveling uh, NFT kind of art project going from city to city, minting amazing artists around the world. And it was while I was there that a couple of really important things happened. One, I met my co-founder, Jesse Rogers, who is one of the founding members of Bright Moments. But two, um, as Jesse and I would talk, Jesse was engaging with the, a lot of the artists kind of one-to-one, helping them with the different Bright Moments drops. I started to hear the problems and the challenges that the Web3 creators were facing. And to me, they reminded me of everything I was hearing in 2006 and 2007. And I think in, in two ways. One, the sense of like opportunity and wonder, right? Like in 2006, 2007, you had creators who had uploaded a video to YouTube. They woke up the next day and it had 100,000 views. Mm-hmm. And they said to themselves like, oh my God, like this could be my next career, right? Or maybe I could do this full time. I think we saw the same thing happen in Web3, right? You have artists that would, you know, have digital art that maybe they had been making for themselves. Maybe they were posting it on Instagram. All of a sudden they mint it. They post it on a platform. Somebody buys it. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, actually, wait a minute. I can actually make this my career, you know, as a creator. So that was really kind of, you know, inspiring to me. Um, But I think the second thing was that, you know, in Web 2, one of the principles that became really important was diversification. If you didn't diversify your revenue streams, when there were cyclical parts of the advertising market, um, pullbacks for different reasons, your audience growth slowed down for a second, all of a sudden you found yourself in a really difficult position. And so, you know, I realized that there was a need for you know, opportunities for creators to diversify their revenue. So something that we started to think a lot about. Uh, and then I think for me, one of the most ironic parts of the, of, you know, of the move from web two to web three, three was that I moved for this principle of creators having more independent control and economic upside. And I realized that because we're decentralized, like by nature, by principle, by ethos in the web three space, the creator's customer data, their collector data is fragmented across blockchains and platforms. And so in many ways, the creators in Web3 have less control, right? If you're if you're a creator in Web2, you can go to YouTube analytics or you can go to analytics of Meta or Twitter. You know who your audience is. You can make decisions about your content. You can make decisions about how to develop offshoots of your brand. In Web3, as we talked to creators, they were telling us things like, I spent all day yesterday in Etherscan copying and pasting wallet addresses into an Excel spreadsheet. And so, you know, my kind of, you know, Google brain, my web two brain kind of clicked on and I realized that, you know, we needed to do something to help creators better understand who their audiences are um, so that they can, you know, build more robust, you know, businesses in web three. And so, so that leads us to like Woven. And so what Woven is essentially, it's a vertical commerce platform. Um, What we've created is a really robust backend data infrastructure where we're aggregating and normalizing collector data across blockchains and across platforms so that a creator in one place can see all of their collectors 
regardless of chain they minted on. They can see all of their activity, their sales activity, their transfer activity in one activity feed. And that's kind of the backend tooling that they need to make kind of creative decisions. And on top of that, we're building commerce experiences that we call wallet aware commerce, because when the collector or the customer connects their wallet to that storefront for that individual creator, we know what they hold. And so we can then personalize that experience for that collector. We can token gate things really easily, let them get access to certain premium drops, let them get access to prints and things of that nature. And so we're building storefronts, we have the data back end, and then we're building partnerships with fulfillment companies, everything from you know, print fulfillment for fine art prints to almost any sort of product that a creator might want to extend their brand into. So just to kind of sum that up one more time, hopefully a little bit more succinctly, um, that Woven's basically building a vertical commerce uh, platform that integrates omni-chain analytics, uh, storefront infrastructure and fulfillment to help creators, you know, diversify their businesses, better understand their customers and, you know, realize their creative and their business ambitions. So. Mm, interesting. Just, just a quick one on the storefront. So because you're, aggregating their collections across these different blockchains that storefront would essentially link to these different you know places where the art is currently being sold so it could link to OpenSea, it could link to rarible could link to That's magic Eden great, Order. it's a great question and it's it's something this is it's a great question because philosophically one of the things that we've thought a lot about is what do we want the collector and the artist experience to be like on our platform? Um, you know, we do have kind of artist profiles that we're launching in two weeks. There, are, we see other artist profiles out, you know, kind of in the market today. And when we look at those, they look overly financialized. You know, there's too many listings. Uh, there's too many references to floor prices. You know, we are creator first. Um, we are, you know, we're starting in the art segment, we'll move to other segments, but, you know, we are art first. And so we're trying to create an experience that's about the work, um, about the creator and, you know, try not to fixate on, you know, a secondary marketplace or things of that nature. So actually what you'll see on Woven when we launch the profiles in a couple of weeks is kind of an experience that's designed to help you actually enjoy the art. You'll see things like, retrospective timelines. You'll be able to look at an artist and see their NFT work from the first project or NFT they uploaded all the way up to something they uploaded, you know, today. And so really thinking about it from their point of view, from an artist's point of view and like what their mind frame is and how they want to present their work. Yeah, interesting, interesting. When you when you look at the so you've been in the web to create company economy, I guess from the genesis. Uh, you, you're you're there when the first YouTube uh, creators got paid. What were some of the learnings from the web to creator economy that could translate into web three? Uh, and what's currently needs to be like uh, reinvent or invented in the web three space, like to fill in some of the gaps that couldn't exist in web two. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the most important one right now is diversification. I think diversification of, you know, how you diversify your revenue across, you know, different uh, opportunities. 
Um, you know, we're starting with um, product uh, fulfillment for creators. So we're helping them like yeah, do prints, physical products. And then we imagine that there'll be other pathways. You know, when I was at YouTube, I used to talk, you know, we used to say, hey, we have 10 different ways to monetize for creators. And that lets a creator assemble the right toolkit for them. And so, you know, we know that creators are generating their own revenue from NFT sales on different platforms. Um, we'll start helping them develop brand extensions and then we'll probably move into some other areas as those become, um, you know, clear to us. You know, I think that, you know, in some ways, you know, we're decentralized, right, by default in, in Web3 and by ethos. You know, we do think we need to kind of re-aggregate some of the data and normalize it so that it's more usable for the creators. But we need to do it in ways that kind of maintain, you know, the ethos that we all believe in. So, you know, it's looking at things like zero knowledge and like how do we actually like pull some things together in ways that, you know, kind of protect collector anonymity if that's something that they're interested in. But at the same time, allow for the engagement, right? Because that's kind of one of the things you potentially that's what you lose. That's what you hear a lot of artists say is that like, I know I have these like hyper engaged collectors, but I don't know who they are and I don't know how to get into contact with them. And so mm. we want to solve those problems, but still by maintaining the, you know, the core beliefs that we all have in this space. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. See your brain ticking, Frank. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Uh, okay. Um, let me jump in. Let me jump in while you while you gather your thoughts. Too many going on. Just on the revenue stream part, just to get a bit more granular. What could you maybe list out? Maybe what some of those revenue revenue streams could look like in Web three at the moment. Like just as like a yeah. practical. I'm an artist. You know, I'm looking to get in the space, or I'm in this space, but I don't actually know. There's brand deals. There's NFT sales. What are some of those streams that they could potentially? Yeah. Target? So I mean, I think if you were to yeah, if you were to look at. Um, you know, again, some of these models will be borrowed from from Web2, but there are things like, you know, whether they're membership programs, you know, that's a very clear use case. I mean, we obviously see that as a core NFT use case more generally. Um, you know, we think that that's something that, you know, many creators will be able to, you know, adopt, whether it's with an NFT or whether it's, you know, a social token ERC20, you know, type approach. You know, that's an example. And, you know, again, exists in web two, but can be updated in much more compelling ways because we can token gate and, and things of that nature. So there's examples like that, you know, with the situation that's happening with, you know, kind of royalties, um, you know, across the space, you know, something that we, I think we'd all hoped would, you know, had been maintained. Um, you know, you can imagine things like, you know, early days of web two, you had things like tip jars and like, you know, ways to kind of like, offer patronage to a creator, I imagine we'll see similar things, you know, in the Web3 space where, you know, maybe you purchase something on a marketplace, um, but then you go to a creator's profile and actually pay them their royalty directly, something to that effect. So, you know, those are all types of things that, you know, we may look at, but, um, you know, I think, you know, we've, we've got kind of this core focus now, of, you know, helping them uh, identify how to extend their brands, their creator brands, and um, you know, build commerce businesses. Interesting. What are some feedbacks from art collectors? What are they excited about um, about woven? Yeah, so we're not. So first, I would say is that we don't have collect. We don't have a 
collector side yet. So we're not a two-sided kind of, you know, marketplace yet. The storefronts will start to launch kind of towards the end of August. But in speaking to collectors, you know, some of the things that we hear about are, you know, a lot of us order, you know, a lot of us love prints, right? So we love the idea of having the NFT, which is kind of, you know, we may display that on a digital frame of some sort, but I mean, even behind me, you know, you can see that I've got, you yeah. know, some prints and whatnot. So, you know, we love the idea of kind of like the actual physical part of the art, but right now that process is incredibly friction filled. You know, when mm. you kind of go order a print from a creator, you know, there's, you know, do you know if it's, uh, if the print's like already been taken, right? Because like many artists will only allow one print per token. Um, you know, the artists themselves then have to keep track of that. Um, you know, so you see a lot of when I look at it, you know, coming again from like this mindset of like, things need to be scalable, they need to be easy, we need to remove friction. Um, you know, we think that, you know, in speaking with collectors, there's a great opportunity to make that type of process much easier. Um, I would say another thing that will be really interesting in this space is that, you know, a lot of us aspire to collect work that, you know, maybe is out of our price range, but we still want to be part of a community. Right. And so can through Woven, a creator offer a range of items, you know, that may not be that $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 NFT, um, but it might be a, you know, more affordable print or some other item that I can kind of actually connect myself to that artist or creator, you know, as the first step in my journey to becoming one of their long-term collectors or one of their biggest uh, members of their community. Um, sorry, just was coughing there. Um, you're talking about art focus first. Um, yeah. Is that just because you're a, an art fan yourself? Um, is that kind of the main main reason you just love? So art? the re the reason that we started there, there's there's two reasons. One, we feel we felt like the art community in the NFT space was hyper engaged, right? Like this is a space that took off, you know, pretty significantly in 2021. Um, there's a lot of creators in this space. It's a very active kind of, you know, engaged community. So that's kind of the first reason that we focused or started there. And yes, we were working in this space that obviously helped. Uh, and we had a lot of networks and connect, you know, networking connection in that space. But I think the second reason, and this is, this is really important when you're building tools, is that if you can solve the needs of an independent creator, it's much easier to grow into other categories, right? So, you know, we're kind of thinking about the, the, the artist or the creator who's, you know, creating their work at home, in their bedroom, in their office, um, and they need to understand this data. They need to figure out how to extend their brand in different ways, and they don't have a team. Right. They haven't reached that level of success yet. They don't have an assistant, uh, things of that nature. And so, you know, we figure that that's like a really hard challenge to tackle. If we can make our tools useful for a single individual, we can then move into teams of people. Uh, we can move into projects, collectible projects and things of that nature. Um, but I think ultimately, if you were to look at what our progression or our planned progression looks like, it starts in the kind of the art niche, moves into the creator economy more broadly, right? That could be music, that could be any type, any type of creator, 
creator in the Web3 creator economy. And then ultimately we may end up, you know, in with working with brands. So it's kind of like a kind of relatively natural progression that you see that across many companies, um, you know, in the creator economy space. Hmm. I'll say experience onboarding or, or introducing Woven to artists in the Web3 space now, because I know we had a chat before and you had, I think, less than 100 artists at yeah, the moment. So yeah, so we're just about 90. So we released the platform. We're not a year. We're about nine months old as a company. Um, we released the first version of the product kind of uh, in late March. And we've got about 90 creators on the platform today. Um, I would say it's been really interesting to see how they've joined Woven or come into Woven. Uh, some of them, you know, we knew the first cohort, right? Like we knew them personally. We onboarded them directly. And then what's happened is like almost every single creator we've onboarded has referred at least one other. So some have uh, referred several. Um, and, you know, some of, you know, uh, Jimmy Wen, who's is based in Taiwan, is, you know, he's referred like 40. Uh, you know what I mean? And so not mm -hmm. all of them have onboarded, but, um, you know, there's, you know, which that's kind of to us like a really strong signal when you have like a creator or an artist that's using their your platform, they're finding enough value in it um, that they'll turn around and recommend that their mm -hmm. friends, their colleagues, you know, also try the platform. And, you know, we've also gotten some discovery too, where people, you know, maybe they stumble upon something we've tweeted or, you know, something to that effect. And they, they come in for our wait list and then we kind of onboard them. And, you know, it's also been interesting, I would say to see like usage patterns and, you know, the summer and, you know, you know, summer in the U S so, you know, you see kind of a little bit of like a little bit of a dip in like usage you know during the weekends actually in particular that we didn't see in the in the very beginning um but you know it's been uh, it's been really exciting to see you know we've got about half of our users are monthly active um you know 10 to 10 to 12 percent are coming back every single week and you know this is of course um you know highly related to like how often they're that could be how often they're dropping um one of the things that we do which is you know, probably relatively standard retention driver um, is we send out new collector updates every Friday. So we're, you know, we know when someone has new collectors across any platform, we send them a note and we actually see that driving a lot of retention and usage because mm -hmm. people want to come in they want to look at the wallet. Is this a new collector for the first time? Um, are they accumulating my work? Those, those are all the types of insights you're able to gain uh, by using the backend part of our tool set. And at the moment, are they able to then connect with the collector at the moment? Because I know you mentioned yeah, so that's that's one of the next things that we're working on right now. So a couple different ways that we're going to achieve that one is through opt in. So we have a couple of mechanics that we're going to deploy that encourage collectors to kind of come in. Maybe you are on an allow list. Uh, that, you know, we have an allow list builder as part of the tool set. Maybe you connect your wallet to claim your allow list spot. The artist says, hey, do you want to stay in touch? Do you, you know, let me know your contact info. Do you have other wallets that my work might be in in, in in other chains? And so we can start to unify profiles, give them ways to connect uh, with the collector's preferred method, whether that's Telegram, a social platform, email, et cetera. So, you know, we'll also offer... Um, 
you know, there's a lot of artists that have been collecting contact info for their collectors directly already. They may or may not know wallet addresses. So we'll also allow them to kind of like merge that data into their own, you know, kind of set of collector records as well. Interesting. And are you planning to have your own direct message feature on your platform itself? Still, still thinking about that. You know, we kind of thought a lot about wallet to wallet messaging um, feels a touch early uh, for that right now, but we do really like that, that concept. We may allow some notifications, you know, in the platform, like on platform. So we're still contemplating what the best, best mm -hmm. pathway is, um, you know, and that's going to be through, you know, what the artists and the, what the artists are really looking for, like, how do they want to engage? Like, I'd say one thing more broadly, creator economy that I think is pretty challenging right now. Um, and I think I worry about on behalf of creators and artists in the Web3 space is that, you know, the, the uh, community is fragmented, right? Like, you know, if you go back six months ago, you know, we were all on crypto Twitter, right? And so now you've got, it's great that there's incredible platforms out there like Warpcast, like Blue Sky, Threads has launched. But what I think is happening now is you've seen a little bit of a fragmentation where, you know, people are setting up profiles in different places. They're starting to spend more time on one platform versus another. And, you know, that I think is adding to the challenge that creators are gonna have going forward. And I think it also kind of underscores the need for a platform like Woven, where you can, as a creator, you can own your own profile, you can collect the contact info and the preferred method of contact, you know, from your collectors and your customers. And so, you know, that's kind of, um, you know, I think hopefully another value uh, that we'll be able to deliver to creators in the Web3 space. Yeah, because mm. I'm feeling as a creator, you have to create um, you have to be present in every single platform. If you yeah. don't, you feel like you're missing out a lot. And yeah. Yeah, especially now with so many viable options, not everyone, a lot of people are not using Twitter as well. Um, yeah. Well, we have, you know, we've got Lens, you know, there's Lens, there's Yup.io. So, you know, yeah. hopefully there's some of these other services that kind of help us tie some things together. Uh, but, you know, I think, yeah, we're, we're in, definitely in a transition period, you know, I think in the space, probably good that it's happening a little bit in the bear and, you know, so that hopefully we can sort it out, um, you know, mm -hmm. as we start to kind of come out the other side. That's true. True. Mm. Yeah. That fragmentation ones, uh, like I see that as, you know, something we have to deal with outside of, you know, NFTs, just in the broader crypto context, because in a digital space, it is easy to, I guess, fragment something and create some new space based on your ideas, values or whatever. But a consequence of that is that you kind of fragment the attention and fragment, I guess, the um, people involved in that space. So I think what you're doing in, in some other pro uh, projects that are based around, I guess, f uh, aggregating all of that together into one place makes a lot of sense and provides a lot of value in this case for creators, because it's good that that fragmentation happens in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you, you need to kind of rein it in and bring it all together again. Like they, they both should exist, but one without the other is an issue. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it, right, exactly. It makes it challenging. Right? I mean, if you think about it from this lens that like, you know, creators in the Web3 space have had relied on 
Twitter to be their conduit to their audience. And now that audience, some of them have moved on. And so now they have an important drop coming up and they really be sure they're reaching their audience. And so, um, you know, that's the, that's the thing I worry about. And so, you know, we hope to be able to help them solve that, you know, through, again, probably through opt-in, probably less, you know, we don't want to necessarily become another like messaging platform or social feed in and of ourselves, but, you know, can we can help connect dots, right? Mm. That'd be what we'd be thinking about. Yeah. And just real quick on something you mentioned earlier about the connecting the artists with um, the collectors. I really like that because that connection in Web3 spaces seems to be something that we all kind of crave and seek out. But when it comes to art, um, I, I feel like that's even more important or could be even an even richer connection because like at least in my opinion, art is like a condensing down ideas into something that you can kind of consume with your senses. And if you resonate with that, that's at a pretty deep level because you, you resonate with that idea. So if you can connect with someone that believes in the same ideas and values that you have, then that kind of makes for a real um, potentially meaningful connection. So, you know, facilitating that, I think would add a lot of, a lot of value. I agree with you hundred percent. Right. And that's why, you know, I think when we all started using different PFPs that represented like NFTs or different things, you know, we were signaling to other people that we were, you know, part of this community. Right. And so, you know, and a lot of us, when we acquire a new piece for our collection, we tweeted about it. And like, you know, the question is like, are we flexing really? Or okay. are we celebrating the artist? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think I like to think that I'm celebrating the artist and helping other people, you know, discover them um, if they if they may not know who they are. Mm. So. You mentioned uh, before we started, the you had an interesting uh, morning ritual, GM ritual. Oh, yeah. you, you maybe want to touch on that. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll caveat this a little bit by saying that, like, I would say over the past, you know, okay, one, so, you know, 16 years at Google, like, you know, it's a good, good life, you know, you work really hard, but it's a good life, um, you know, startup founder, it's like pretty hard, right? Like you're kind of like stress <laughs> levels are really high. Um, and, you know, people are, I've had many people over the past couple of weeks tell me like, listen, you know, like phone out of the bedroom, you know, like get up in the morning, go for a walk, you know, see the sunshine, don't pick up your phone, don't do your email. I'm like, I'm 5am, Red Bull, like computers open. I'm like buying NFTs at 5.15 in the morning, like having a cup of coffee, you know, at 5.45. So I'm like a little bit, like I'm doing the opposite of like wellness, um, but <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of like, it kind of like works for me. By like 6.30, I'm like caffeinated out of my mind and I'm running like a thousand miles an hour. So, <laughs> but you know. He's the anti-wellness movement. The anti-wellness <laughs> Is this your first, uh, is this your first startup? Like since well, it's, the it's the first one I founded myself. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've had kind of a fortunate run in that I was a very, very early employee at DoubleClick, um, you know, which basically created the ad serving uh, infrastructure for the internet back in kind of like the, the web one, essentially, um, you know, mm -hmm. later got acquired, much later got acquired by Google. I wasn't there at that time, but, um, and then, you know, uh, early employee at YouTube. So I've been fortunate to, um, have worked at incredibly successful startups, you know, and been in the first, 
20 to 40 employee, 50 employees at, at both of those companies. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that has given me a lot of great insight because I've seen, I've seen businesses start from a small group of people and then scale to like global operations. And so, you know, I, that's why like, you'll hear me talk a lot about friction, scalability, you know, like I see certain things happening in, you know, the web three space, frankly, that just don't, don't make sense. Like I look at the, I look at certain things and I'm like, Hey, that's not going to serve the, it's not going to solve the problem that it needs to solve because it's not being done in the scale the most scalable way, or it's has too much friction in a certain process. And so we kind of think a lot about how do you take those frictions out? How do you make it so that our business can scale, um, you know, really effectively because, you know, there's going to be hundreds and thousands of millions of creators in this space and, you know, they're going to need tools and solutions to like build their businesses. If, you know, if we want web three to be as robust as, you know, web two has turned out to be. And how, how large is the team now? I think you started with two people, two co-founders. Yeah. Well, so it was, yeah, like, uh, so just my co-founder and I kind of started the company. Um, and then we have, you know, we have a few people based here, uh, in LA, um, that are kind of on the core team. And then we have some devs spread out in other markets. You know, I think that's one of the other great things I think about being in the web three space is, you know, many of us, many of the companies in the space are kind of like remote first or remote friendly. Um, and, you know, we get the opportunity to kind of source great talent from all over the world, find time zone, you know, appropriate times to meet and have calls. And so, um, yeah, it's been really, it's been really exciting to like pull together uh, a new team from scratch. Um, yeah, that's like distri distributed, but like hyper engaged mm. with one another. Is it okay? Interesting that you've you've kind of been on the in and around the creator economy from web one to web two, now web three. Like that's that's pretty cool. Just yeah, the, the the learnings that you can kind of take from one one web version to the next web version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely yeah. The, that's definitely a, I think that's definitely true. And it's like. You can look at, you know, I'm able to look back at, you know, either companies that did well or didn't do well, decisions that were made at, you know, whether it was DoubleClick or YouTube, um, you know, that were formative in the success of those companies and figure out how they apply to our business and kind of, you know, we, we do that. Like, you know, the team's not sick of me talking about those things yet. Um, you know, there may be a time. Um, mm. But yeah, like, I think there's a lot of great insights from the earlier phases of the web that, you know, can be pulled into like Web3 thinking, you know, you know, obviously mm. with our new, you know, with like a different ethos. So. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. What would you say is the main advantage of Web3 creator economy versus the Web2 version? Yeah, Why do so you want to come into Web3? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, notwithstanding kind of some of the things that I said at the outset of the call, right, that like the data is fragmented, but, you know, in Web 2, the data and the platform is very clearly not yours, right? Like, I think we see examples of that all the time, whether it's, you know, creators being removed from platforms for different reasons, sometimes for good reasons, you know, and sometimes they should be, um, you know, but, um, you know, the in web three 
you're more in control. You know, you can have your own smart contract and, you know, mint your own projects, right? You can go to Etherscan and, and pull down the wallet data from your collectors. You can do that on your own. You know, like we want to make that easier for you, um, you know, to kind of access that data. But, you know, that is the advantage. You can truly be independent and not reliant on any one platform, um, you know, if you don't like the way that they're operating or you don't like the principles that a platform is espousing, you don't have to stay there. Um, in Web2, if you've grown up on any one platform, you there is kind of a lock in there because your audience is there and they're not portable. And Web3, it's your audience is portable. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's very, very important. Um, then I had a question. I lost it. <laughs> you, you were talking about, um, well, probably getting close to the end, but earlier on you were talking about um, how code as art was something that you gravitated towards. What was similar for me, to be honest, um, my background's in architecture and I, I kind of left and I've always been into design creativity. But when I met a, a fellow architect who he launched an NFT generative art, generative art collection, it kind of got me back in the game again. It, like, it inspired me to, I guess, um, explore my creative roots again. What uh, about coders, art, generative art appeals to you um, and, yeah, that whole medium of um, coders, a medium for art, how do you, what do you like yeah, about it? What do, what do you think about it? You know, I think one thing that's exciting about it is I think like as collectors, right, like we see a project that we're drawn to for some reason and, you know, we kind of explore it, right? Like we explore the variations and, you know, how the, you know, this particular mint is different from this particular mint and, you know, the interplays and the similarities between, you know, the cohesiveness of an entire project and the differences between the individual projects that to me personally is really exciting. But the other thing that I think we have to realize is that the artists go through the same process, right? Like they've written a piece of code and when they run it, they are often just as surprised by the outputs <laughs> as we are. And that's just yeah. like, to me, we're kind of like, we're in this together as collectors and artists. And like, you know, we're kind of appreciating kind of the magic that happens, um, you know, in the space. And so, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that, I mean, that, that for sure is like one of my biggest things that excites me about it, you know? And I also, obviously, you know, you kind of referenced the fact that I've been in web, web one, web two, web three, um, you know, the thing about that too, is like, I'm just very like future oriented. And so when I started to kind of hear this kind of idea that like, like art is being written by code and like people are displaying it on TVs and screens in their house. Like that to me is like stuff that I dreamed about when I was a little mm. kid. Yeah. So, Never thought of it that way. The sharing, shared experience of being surprised, at least to a, to a certain extent. Yeah. And you see it, right? Sometimes an artist will post something on Twitter and they'll be like, how did this happen? You know, like they have no, <laughs> You know, it's like something that they totally didn't expect or, you know, some like, yeah, they'll basically be reviewing the project or they'll look at your your piece and they'll say, you know what, like I probably did a thousand test outputs. Not a single one ever came out looking like this. Like, I have no idea. Like, you know, and that's just like that's just some of the wonder of the creative process, you know, between mm -hmm. the, you know, between the artist and the computer and the code. And, you know. Yeah. And some of them, they they purposefully add like 
chances of glitches, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Error. Right. Yeah, and it's like the super, yeah, the rarities, right? The rarities are, are super fun too. But I mean, I think even now, I think one of the things that I'm, that, you know, you kind of see some trends kind of emerge in the space as well. But like right now, there's a lot of folks that are creating work that, you know, you would be hard pressed to believe that it was written by code and not done with a paintbrush, you know, which is just like the, the technical mastery that some of these emerging artists have not emerging. I mean, well, I guess they're emerging. It's an emerging movement, I guess. You know, it's been around for decades, right? Generative art's been around for decades, but it's kind of having its moment now. But, um, you know, the fact that you have these artists that are able to kind of like control the code in such a way that it literally looks like paint paint strokes mm. or paint, you know on a canvas is just uh, just phenomenal it's just so much fun yeah there's like the the visual aspect is is cool like it's, it's, it looks interesting but another thing that um i like about code as art is in the nft space often the the art is actually the the code um the code itself is the NFT and what you see is just a representation of that code. But the moment the code becomes that the art it's itself, the art becomes like the, the seed, the, the very idea and it's in and of itself, like that's becomes the art is the idea behind what it looks like. And also it being art, I mean, it being code means it can kind of, it's almost like a model because like unlike a painting or something that degrades over time. And that that also has a quality to it. But having a, a piece of art that is pretty much immortalized in the digital world, that's also yeah. like just pretty interesting to think about. For sure. Right. On chain forever, you know, yeah. like, yeah, re reproducible anytime, you know, with provenance and everything. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, I want to ask one more question. What would you, uh, what would your top tip be for artists who are entering Web three and they're very early? They don't have the big Twitter, crypto Twitter following, and they just they just want to mint their artwork, but they want to find audience. How would you advise them to get started? Yeah. So I think you know it's probably similar across many creator economy type spaces and companies, but you know, I, they would, they should like share their work, uh, find other artists who, you know, they admire whose work that inspires them and try, you know, connect with them, follow them, share their work. And, you know, it's definitely <clears throat> growing an audience is challenging regardless of what creator business you happen to be in. And, you know, a lot of it is just through like connecting with like-minded folks, collaborating. And I think that's one that's one area that, you know, is really um, an area I'd encourage people to think about. Like if you have a artist that you admire and you're similar to, maybe you're around the same size, or is there work that you could do together? Um, because you might have, you know, maybe like 2% or 10% of your audience overlaps, but the rest of your audience was, is net new to the other creator. And so can you help another creator meet your audience and vice versa? Um, that's, that was very successful in web two. And, um, you know, we think that'll be successful in web three. We're actually going to build tools for that, um, to help people see like other artists that they might be similar to that they might want to do collabs with or something like that. You know? So, yeah, I'll be excited for that feature. I love collaborating. 
Yeah, good, good collab, man. The how can people connect with you online and woven? Wait, what sure. handles and whatnot can we share? For sure. So yeah, so we're uh, so we are uh, woven dot uh, xyz um on the web. We're woven underscore xyz on Twitter. Um, I'm Jamie Byrne. Um, at Jamie Byrne on Twitter. So feel free to kind of connect with me there. Um, mm-hmm. Those are probably, those are probably the best ways for now. And then, you know, we'll share, you know, on our website, we'll share other ways. like Dates and whatnot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, I really encourage, like, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate the opportunity, you know, to talk to both of you. Um, and, you know, to kind of just sum up again, you know, if you're a creator or an artist in, in the Web3 space, um, you know, really encourage you to check out kind of Woven. Come to the website, you know, um, which is again woven.xyz. Um, we have a waitlist flow where you can come in. You can give us your wallet addresses, your minting wallet addresses. Um, we can get a profile set up for you, um, and that can get you started seeing your collector data. We're really excited about the commerce opportunity. You know, again, both prints. Um, and then physical items, you know, we had a great evening this evening. We, we share, we have a creator who's going to be releasing kind of handbags with her art printed on it, uh, later this, later this year. And we were able to share the first samples that they looked incredible. Um, we're working with another artist on like silk scarves and some other kind of really like high-end premium items. And so there's a, there's really a lot of potential for web three creators to build their own commerce brands and extend, you know, basically extend the different ways that they're generating revenue, um, you know, to, to basically free up more time, uh, and help, you know, make them successful as creators. So. Awesome. Awesome. We'll share all those links below for those that want to get involved and thanks Jamie for your time. And thanks everyone for for listening. We'll see you guys in the next one. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you.